This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 16, Danny Pomplum's Yoga Story. My name is Erica, and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down, obviously, with Danny Pomplum. Danny is a San Francisco-based yoga teacher and teacher-trainer that uses his life story and his love of the practice to change the world around him. We all have our own stories, but his is full of twists and turns through a tough childhood and young adult years that were blurred by frustration, drugs, alcohol, and near-death experiences. Today we sat down to talk about how sharing your story is helpful and how yoga has helped them on his journey. As always, I really appreciate your support, so as you leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter a giveaway. Once more, Athleta is supporting this podcast in their effort to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up, is giving out a $75 shop card. If you want to know more, stay tuned. I'll give more details at the end of the show. And I'll announce the winner of our last giveaway where we were giving copies of the books, Living the Sutras. On that note, take a listen. I'm sure you'll enjoy. Hi, Danny. Hey, what's going on, Erica? Thank you so much for joining me today. It's exciting because I've been waiting to uh, to chat with you on either your podcast or my podcast. I know. <laughs> so we, finally get to, we finally get to do it. There we go. Um, I met Danny at one of his workshops and we further connected online. I follow and love everything he does. He's passionate in his purpose and he's generous with himself and his teachings. On top of classes, workshops, retreat, and YTTs, he also hosts, as you just said, his own podcast, and he was featured in Vice Magazine and in the book, When to Jump. I've been wanting to have him on the show for a long time for you guys to get to know him and discover why he teaches. So let's jump right into it. Danny, can you tell us a bit about your life story and how you found yoga? Yeah, you know, yoga was um, yoga was an accident. It wasn't really <laughs> like I remember. I was I the way I actually like found yoga was I was I was gonna uh, go. I went on this date with this guy. I was like eighteen, and my roommate at the time was a yoga teacher, and I never really wanted to do it, but I wanted to impress the guy because he would go with all the surfing friends, and so I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll do like one or two yoga classes or whatever. So I had done like a yoga class here and there, but nothing really serious. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until I was about 25 where, um, I had lost a partner, um, to AIDS in life. And, you know, I kind of, um, I took it really hard. It was, it was like the first time I had really lost someone that close to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did what what I knew how to do best, which was turn to drugs and alcohol. Um, and as I started to, you know, go down my, my spiral of, you know, of, of self-destruction, um, I had a roommate who I consider like my guardian angel pretty much. And she was like, you know, I can't really live with you like this anymore. I can't see you do this to yourself and and keep destroying yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And she's like, do something. She was like, you used to surf, you snowboarded a lot. Like you, I know you've done yoga. She's like, just do something. And I was like, well, okay, you know, there was a new yoga studio that opened up down the street, like literally a couple blocks away. And she's like, let's just, we'll start going to yoga or something like that. So we, um, we ended up going to the studio and I remember going in there and I was such a brat. I went in there and I was so <laughs> like, just like I was, you know, I thought I was like athletic and, you know, so I could like, you know, just go in there and be fine. And I remember being telling the teacher, I was like, is this going to be hard? Because like, you know, this better be challenging, like that kind of deal. <laughs> And 
you know, lo and behold, what I, what I tell people now is like, you know, as, as teachers, and I'm sure you can probably relate to this, Erica, like, you know, who enters a room and who has what going on. Mm -hmm. And we know we can get a vibe of like, who's hurting and who's in pain and who wants, you know, some extra love and who needs some space. And, you know, I, you know, I, I think when I came in, you know, the teacher saw that I was in that place that needed to be held and needed to be nurtured and loved. And she did that. I remember she taught this beautiful class on backbends and, you know, talking about loving ourselves. And I had never really heard that concept before. It was all kind of really new to me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of class, she was like, Hey, it was so great to have you. Um, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to see you back again. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, she was nice to me and kind to me. So why not? (laughs) And, um, yeah. Right. And so, um, I kept going back to her classes and going back to her classes and, you know, as I started doing more yoga, I started naturally drinking less and kind of just, you know, more taking care of myself. And one of the things that I ended up doing was leaving one of my bar jobs. So I was bartending for, for a while. And as I quit one of my bar jobs, I wasn't making enough money to really pay for the membership for the yoga studio. So I, I remember told, telling them the studio, I was like, yeah, you know, I can't really be here anymore. And they were like, well, you know, you can actually start to scrub toilets and in, in exchange, we'll give you free yoga. <laughs> And at first I was like, well, who the fuck, like, I'm not going to scrub toilets. Like, no, that's not, that's not who I am. Um, but it was important to me because it was important to my roommate at the time. You know, I had, I needed, I needed a place to live and I wanted to, you know, continue to, to try to grow or evolve. So I did, I scrubbed toilets for a really, really long time for like almost a year. Wow. And yeah, I know. And, and then I naturally, I started to, to move up. So I went from like, you know, scrubbing toilets to like being in charge of like the schedule for the people that clean the bathrooms and, (laughs) you know, ordering supplies. And they, you know, asked me to do this teacher training and, you know, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it. I I kind of was really against it. And they ended up giving me a scholarship to do it. And, you know, they were getting rid of their, their, their trade program because it wasn't allowed anymore. And so that was like one of their ways to give me the yoga list to do the teacher training. And, you know, I did teacher training. I never thought I wanted to teach. I actually just kind of did it to to do it. And I'll have to admit that my first teacher training, I wasn't the best student. You know, I was kind of halfway there and halfway not there. You know, I, I just kind of showed up because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until the end where they were like, hey, you know, if you want to keep your free yoga, you got to start teaching. And <laughs> It's like know, there was this <laughs> conspiracy against you for you to do yoga. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you look at it now, like, you know, looking back at it, like, I understand now what they were doing. You know, I understand that they they had seen something inside of me that I didn't see in myself yet, but they knew that was going to blossom at some point. They just needed to continue to nurture me and, and, you know, water me a little bit and give me the proper nutrients to get there. And um, I started teaching and, you know, I kind of just did it part time. I, I taught, you know, my first class at 24 Hour Fitness um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I remember repeating things that I was told. <laughs> I had no no clue what was going on. But I really liked it. You know, it was it felt really good and it felt like 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 I belong. I remember being so nervous and being like, uh, you know, like I don't know what I, I remember telling people like I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm I'm here and you know, everyone was just so excited and mm. I stuck with it. And you know, the natural progression was, you know, I was teaching yoga and I was, you know, involved in this community that now was super supportive and all about self-growth and self-care and you know, like I wasn't just teaching the physical asana. I was actually studying a lot of like sutras and, you know, the eight limb path and and the yamas and niyamas. And, you know, I, I wanted to integrate those things in. And as I did that, 
I realized that um, working in a bar was probably not the best for me. Hmm. Um, and you know, one thing kind of led to another. I had taken a couple trainings in San Francisco. I had found a couple teachers up here that I loved, and um, I was still kind of you know in my in my ways in San Diego. And I, you know, I, I had a failed suicide attempt and it was just kind of a wake up call where if I didn't leave San Diego, I think it could have gone a lot worse. Mm. And, um, so I took off, so I took off from San Diego and I decided to move to San Francisco and really pursue this yoga thing. And, you know, one thing led to another and, and here I am. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It's and now crazy. you're thriving, which is incredible. <laughs> It's it's kind of ridiculous sometimes, you know. There there's not a day that doesn't go by where, you know, I I, I wake up and I know that I'm living. One, you know, I give myself credit because I know I, I put in a lot of hard work. But two, like I'm living a dream. You know, it's I, I get to do what I love to do every day, mm-hmm. and and I have found I truly believe I have found my calling, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's pretty. Uh, people spend you know a whole lifetime trying to find that. Yeah. And I feel like I've got it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so obviously yoga taught you a lot, but do you think pain and suffering in your life has brought you lessons that today you can look back and be grateful for? 100%. You know, I think that if it wasn't for pain and suffering, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And a lot of people like to, there's this, there's this aspect of self-help that I, that I really don't like where it's like, well, you know, if you just have happy thoughts, everything's going to be fine. You know, you just write it down and it's going to be done. And and the truth is that's one part of it, but there's also so much more like mm-hmm. you, you actually have to acknowledge the pain, the suffering and the hard, the hard, the hard parts, you know? And I think that's the hard part is actually acknowledging it, you know, recognizing that it's there and that's a part of you, like all the other things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those emotions and those feelings and those, you know, those things that we go through in life are, are, are teachers are, as well. You know, they're hard teachers. They're not the easiest lessons to learn, no. but they are, they are teachers and they bring us, you know, they bring us to places that some of the other teachers wouldn't be able to take us to. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned from the challenges you've overcome in your life? Oh man, the biggest lesson I've learned from the challenges that I've (laughs) overcome in my life, man, I would say it's a combination of believing in yourself Mm. and trusting in your heart. Really those are like the, the two biggest things, you know, like, believing in yourself that you, that you can, and you will, and I guess loving yourself enough to actually fully believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would that be an advice you give, you would give to people that are going through a rough time? Like, would that be the place you start? I think, you know, it's a little bit, you know, I guess it would depend on the situation and the person, what they're Mm -hmm. going through, you know, like if it's one thing that I always, you know, I, I always question people is to, or what I invite the question to people is to, to, to figure out what your why is, you know, what's thriving you, what's filling you up, what's not filling you up, what's taking you away from the things that you love to do. What's pulling you away from that. What do you mm-hmm. define as, 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 as the things that fill you up and what, and what you don't and start there, you know, like really thinking about what your heart needs versus what you want. So awareness. 100%. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you've been sharing your story here with us and you've shared your story with Vice Magazine and in the book, um, When to Jump. How does that action, that sharing, the deep, dark secrets that sometimes we're, you know, holding on with shame, how does that have change your either perspective on life or your connection with yourself or with other people? 
Well, here, here's the thing with shame is that it will kill you. I know. Shame shame will literally drive you insane or make <laughs> you do things to to it's 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 really rough, you know? Like I was ashamed of my drug use. I was mm-hmm. ashamed of of a lot of the things that I had gone through and and did in life because I almost felt like they, you know, like I deserved them or like, you know, because of shame, I felt like that's all I was worth, you know? And Sure. You know, when I shared the um I shared the story and went to jump and it was not necessarily something that I, <laughs> I didn't think when to jump was going to be as big as it got. <laughs> I thought it was just, I thought it was just this guy, you know, who wanted to hear my story and you know, like that was it. And <clears throat> lo and behold, it was like picked up my McMillan publishing and now there's a whole movement on it and it's a podcast and yep. it's a whole, it's a whole thing, you know, and, and vice magazine got a hold of me through that. And, you know, what I, I had shared, obviously when to jump, isn't the full story about me. It's a small story about, you know, part of my story. And then the vice magazine article elaborated more on that story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the vice magazine article, when it came out, a lot of my friends had, had known a part of my story, but a lot of people didn't know about the suicide, mm-hmm. you know, or the attempt, the attempted suicide. A lot of people didn't know how bad my drug use was and how bad I was hiding that and how much pain I was in and the self-harm that I was doing. And so I got a lot of like, Almost, not backlash, but a lot of like concern, like, why didn't you tell me? And why didn't you reach out? And why didn't you do this? Mm. And what people understand, what people don't understand is I also didn't know at that time that I was in that much pain. You know, it wasn't until later on where I was like, oh, wow, I was in, I was deep in there. I was deep and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what, you know, what ended up happening with, with, you know, re- with releasing the story and, and telling it, um, in both accounts was that it provided me some freedom. You know, I, I didn't Absolutely. have to remember, I didn't have to remember who I said what to, <laughs> I didn't have to remember, you know, which details I left out to, uh, to certain people. You, you know, I just, my story was there and it was out there and I didn't have to run from it. I didn't have to hide from it. I also didn't have to relive it again. You know, I could retell it and, and experience strength and hope from it and courage, but I didn't have to relive it every single time. Hmm. Whereas this, you know, it was in my head running the story over and over again. It was like, you know, it was kind of, it was still living in there. You know, it wasn't getting it out. It's always worse yeah. in our heads. Oh my God. It's always worse in our head. We're our own worst enemies with that. Yeah, totally. And now it's, it's, it's growing even bigger. You know, I've been working on a book for a little bit now and my next, my big, my big focus was to try to get it out this year. And I didn't, I just, everything didn't work out as well as I wanted to do timing wise. And so next year, that's like my big goal is to finish writing my book and to get it out. Mm. Um, because, you know, selfishly it's for me more than anybody else. Although I do think people can learn stuff from it. Um, selfishly it's for my healing. It's for, it's for me to get my story out. It's for me to, to get all the, the things that have been eating me up inside, you know, out on paper and, you know, help myself heal. Mm-hmm. So it's like a memoir or yeah, it's a little bit of a mem- it's a little bit of a memoir, but there's uh there's it's it's a story about unpacking your uh, your 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 crap and mm-hmm. making sense of it, you know, and stepping into your greatness. Yeah, basically what we were doing today. It's exactly what we're doing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so from the point of sharing your story and from overcoming challenges and pain and suffering, how does this? came together and molded you in the teacher you are today? Like, do you find that your teachings are influenced by those aspects of your life more than joy and happiness? I had a really hard time with, with, you know, sharing in general as a teacher. I actually didn't start doing it until like a couple of years ago because I feel like people didn't want to, 
you know, hear my crap or hear, hear, you know, the things. But what I realized is people want to go to you as a teacher because they want to relate to you. You know, Mm -hmm. they want you to be a real human being with real feelings. And, you know, I think what it's helped is make sense of my journey, you know, and I feel like if I'm going through something or have gone through something, someone else is probably going to hear it. And, you know, kind of selfishly, like what I just said, like I share a lot of this stuff in class and, you know, the things that I've learned from, you know, through my journey and a lot of people get stuff out of it, but really I just, it's a lot more for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a lot, it's a lot more for me to remind myself. I don't have to relive that story and that there is strength and there's hope in there. And, um, you know, I, when I first started teaching, I was a really alignment and anatomy based. And now, you know, I I chant now and I, I do a little Dharma talk here and there and, it's definitely helped shape or uh, shape the way that I teach, but also it's really helped shaped me. It's obviously shaped me as a person, you know. Mm-hmm. What's important for you? So today, as a teacher, like, what's your goal when you step into class, or do you have like a precise intention behind your teachings? You know, there's a little bit of it's like a, it's a yes and a no. I go in there and I kind of just get out of my own way, and I, I just. You know, I guess I tap into my divine or or whatever we want to call it and just say, you know, whatever it is that they're supposed to hear today, let it come out. Mm-hmm. There is never like a set agenda of like, well, you know, I think that they need to hear this, this and this. It's just what's happening in the moment. You know, I definitely still offer, you know, alignment and anatomy because that's definitely something I'm passionate about. You know, I think that that if I'm going to be moving people's bodies, that it should be safely and it should be, you know, smart, and well-informed. Um, but I also think that I can teach them more than, you know, I think a monkey can teach anyone warrior too. I think that to tell, teach someone how to love themselves or to inspire them to love themselves. I think that requires a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Do you find you teach what you need to learn? Oh, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Teaching yoga is a, yeah. Teaching yoga is a selfish gig sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what do I need today? Um, so I mentioned earlier that you also have your own podcast. Why did you decided to start that project? I was sick in bed. I remember I had um, had like I think it was like strep throat or something like that. I, it was so, I, I I got sick and I was in bed for like a week and I was so bored. And I ended up looking at uh, I ended up you know diving into a bunch of podcasts. And as I heard some podcasts, I was like, you know what, I can do this. And I, you know, I, 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 when I was younger, I thought I wanted to do radio for like a little bit. And then I kind of never followed up with that. And I was like, this could be a really fun, creative outlet to, you know, do something a little bit different. And also I was hearing some of the podcasts that were out there on yoga. And although some of them were really great, I thought some other ones were kind of just like, you know, whatever. And, um, I I felt like I, I, I know some really inspirational people in my life and, Mm -hmm. There are also a lot of people, there are still a lot of people out there that I would love to talk to who are, um, you know, again, a huge inspiration for me. And so yeah. I decided, why not put together a podcast and see what happens? Yeah, it's a great excuse to reach out and say like, hey, can we chat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's serious. Like, that's the best part of it. I feel like I'm just sitting down having a conversation with my friend. Yeah. And people you look, you look up to and you would maybe not reach out usually. Yeah. You didn't have the excuse of the podcast. Totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I 100% love that I get to chat with people I wouldn't normally get to chat with. What kind of feedback do you get uh, from from the community? Do you find like the people are telling you it's serving them in a the way they just enjoy it? You know, like it's, it's, 
It's funny because I was going to pull the plug on the podcast not too long ago. Uh, it was earlier in the year. And I remember, I distinctly remember the day I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to call it. Like, I just, I don't really have the time and or the energy and the effort for it. And it was starting, for me, it was starting to feel more like it was uh, like something I had to do rather than it was fun. Because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was. Uh, it is a lot of work. Is, it's a ton of work. It's, yeah. a t- it's so much work. Um, my business has changed and, you know, like I'm, I'm running around a lot more and traveling a lot more. So I was getting ready to pull the plug and sure enough, someone on Instagram had sent me uh, a message and they were like, Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your podcast. I feel like every time I listen to it, I get something out of it. And immediately I was like, well, that's, (laughs) it looks like I'm not getting rid of the podcast. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet when people reach out. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, like uh, I've random people have reached out and been like, I listen to your podcast and it's, it's really great. Or, you know, I've got, this was funny or this was really helpful or, you know, whatever it was, um, you know, and now I have someone that helps me with the podcast just cause I, again, I get a little bit busy. So I help, I have help getting it produced and, and, um, and kind of put together and, and, and he's, he's super awesome. And I think my podcast actually last, it was like last Thursday or whatever we hit, uh, number 44. For the day on 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 iTunes, we hit number forty four out of a hundred. Awesome. And Congrats. yeah, we were number we were number two in health and wellness as well. Wow. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. I was super stoked on it. And now it's now I look forward to the podcast. I love I love doing the podcast now. Every single time I jump on that, I like I shut myself into my bedroom. I, you know, put my headphones on and I just love sitting there getting to know people and, and chatting with them about whatever it is that's going on. You mentioned earlier that you started to play the harmonium and you started to chant. I did. How is this new practice? Why did you, why first? And then how, how did it impact you and your classes? Because it's a, it's quite a shift. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's still quite a shift for me. It's like every day, every day I do it. It's still quite a shift. Um, you know, so my main teacher was uh, Jason Crandall. And he's, you know, very anatomy, very alignment, mm-hmm. funny guy, super sarcastic, you know, very different from, from chanting, of course. Mm-hmm. And, um, I started, I, I practiced with Janet Stone a couple of times and she chanted and I, I practiced with a couple other teachers that chanted and I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't feel authentic to me. And a lot of it had to do because of the way that I had trained and I'd worked with, you know, Jason for so long and, and you know, I assisted in his classes for, for a couple of years. And, you know, I was just like, that wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that, uh, you know, when I started to learn more about chanting, um, as I started diving deeper into, you know, teaching yoga and teaching teachers how to teach yoga rather was that chanting is just another way of calling to the divine, just like yoga asana is, just like meditation is, just like yoga nidra is, just like any of the, you know, conduits that you want to, any vessel that you want to pick to help you get there, it's going to get you there, you know? Mm -hmm. And I secretly used to make fun of people that chanted because (laughs) I wanted to chant. Mm -hmm. I used to make fun of them. I used to call them hippies and, (laughs) you know, yada, 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 because I wanted to do it. You know, we, we make fun of the things that make us feel uncomfortable or that we don't know of, you know, like Mm -hmm. the things that we're uneducated about or the things that we don't understand, we tend to make fun of. It's just, it's human nature, right? It's, it's what we do. And, um, this last year, this, so the earlier this year, I I started another training with, uh, Noah Mose and, and he started this class. I remember, I'll never forget this because he's, he's, 
Janet taught me how to chant without actually physically teaching me, like just going to her classes, you know, mm-hmm. and Noah made it okay for me to do it. He gave me without, you know, giving me permission. He gave me permission to do it. Mm-hmm. And I walked into his class and I, I, I just picked him up and we were talking, you know, and we were getting into his workshop and I walked into his class and he sat us down and he brought in his harmonium. And I was like, Oh, this is weird. He's a chance. This is so weird. And he sat everyone down and he played a really quick couple chords and did an ohm at the start of class and then had everyone open their eyes. And I was like, Oh my God, he totally just brought everyone down on the same note. Like everyone came in Mm. on the same note, on the same key, on the same level. And I thought that was brilliant. I was like, that feels so, it felt so good for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I started uh, reading a little bit more about chants and what they mean and what they, you know, what they mean being put together and what happens when we call for them. And there's a few ones that I found that I just thought were so beautiful that like, how could, you know, Om Hare Om to remove suffering from our beings? Like, how could no one get behind that? That's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you know, Om Shanti Om. Yeah, Om Shanti Om, like calling peace for yourself and for every living being and for your friends and your family and your loved ones. like. Uh, yeah, I want more of that in my life. Mm-hmm. I ended up buying a harmonium and kind of didn't tell anybody. I was just at home playing with it. And I took a couple lessons. And um, then I decided one day I was going to bring it into class because I was afraid of it. And as soon as I did it, it unlocked something. It made me feel something that I'd never felt before. It made me feel connected. It made me, it made, made me actually feel more connected to the students in the room than not. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And now I do it, you know, I don't do any crazy long chants or whatever. I stick to my, you know, I, I stick to, I remember I was telling Janet, I was like, I need to learn a new one. She said, no, you don't. She said, you stick to the one that you like that feels good for you until you're ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. So I've been rocking out my, my one chant for, I, I know a few I've been taking, uh, that's, so that my, and so for the safety of my students, I've been taking vocal lessons, <laughs> <laughs> but also because I want to understand, you know, like how it works and, and whatnot. And yeah. Um, I've learned a few chants. I've got like five or six of them that I know, you know, pretty well. But I, I, the one that feels right is the one that I've been doing, you know, the Om Hari Om and the Om Shanti Om. And, and even some of my students who weren't chanters, who came to my class because I didn't chant, you know, are now like, you know, Danny, I wouldn't do this with anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have any tip for teachers, people like me that love chant, but they don't do it in class? You know, like, I, I honestly, it's like, what are you afraid of? I don't know. I can't sing. It's, it's that's the whole thing about chanting is you're not singing. Yeah, you're I chanting. Guess. You're chanting. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It does not matter what it sounds like. It's <laughs> all about it's all about the intention. Mm. You know, and if you're going in there with the intent, and for your students too that are coming into class and they're like, oh, I don't want to chant. I don't know the words. Think of it like your favorite rap song, right? You know, you know, you don't really know the words, but you <laughs> you mumble them anyway. You're like, <laughs> you pretend. <laughs> yeah, just do that. <laughs> that's good that's good maybe i should do that it's the intention behind it you know and start with an ohm start with start with something simple start with ohm or the word shanti you know the word shanti mm-hmm. is just saying just saying peace yeah you know i think anyone can get behind the word peace yeah i love when teachers chant i can't get enough of it yeah yeah it feels Next good step. you know yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a few weeks back, you hosted with uh, three other teachers a fundraiser event. One 
One Love, It's a Movement. Is that what it was called? Yep, yep One Love, yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about it and why these kind of events are important for you? Yeah, so this is my third year doing the One Love Movement SF. And uh, it's basically a big, giant charity yoga event. And what we do is we raise money for underserved youth. So our whole point is to find social justice for youth. Mm-hmm. So um, we partnered up with the Mission Resource Center and we targeted their 18 and under demographic, which we provided showers, uh, you know, uh, toiletries, medical services, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, this year we had 400 people. We raised wow. about $13,000. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and I was honored and, and, and I just honored and humbled to be teaching side by side with Janet Stone and Stephanie Snyder and Susanna Friedman, who, you know, all, I respect all of them so much. And also Julianne Alejo, I think her, her last name is, um, from Outdoor Yoga SF. She led the meditation at the beginning and it was just mm. so beautiful, so beautiful and, and such a great way to get us all grounded. But, you know, I, one of the biggest components of yoga that people forget about is seva. And that's the act of bringing yoga, you know, into your day-to-day life. And, you know, it's the act of service. And, and that's yeah. what that's, you know, that's a big part of it is, is part of this part of your yoga practice. If you're a yogi is to be in service of others. And, um, a lot of people have helped me out in life. You know, like, I, I don't think I would be here without the mental, the emotional support of a lot of friends and family and, um, I think that there are a lot of kids out there that need help. There's a lot of youth out there that needs help. And I had a really rough upbringing, um, you know, as a young kid and as a teenager. And I think that if we can, you know, at the end of the day, like my generation is, you know, we're, I'm in my thirties and we're going to start to flip and there's a new generation going to, going to come in. And I think if we can give them an opportunity, I think that if we can teach them, that it is going to be okay and that they can have a better life and that they, there is an alternative out there that the world will be in a better place and that they'll pass that on to somebody else as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, I I think there's events and why I do them is because uh, I'm passionate about it. One, I love, I love helping others. Uh, But two, I think that part of our yoga is taking our compassion and turning it into action. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's just a big yoga party class and you're, you're doing it for such a great cause. Like yeah. why, why would, why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> so you'll do it again next year. Absolutely. Awesome. Yes. You always have a ton of stuff going on. Tons. <laughs> you just <Too> <laughs> mentioned, you mentioned before that you have a book project going on. Do you have a title for that already? Yeah. It's called Exhale the Bullshit. Mm, good. Yeah. Any other... <laughs> Secret things brewing up that you want to share with us, although it wouldn't be secret anymore. <laughs> um, let's see. What do I have going on? What's coming guess, in the next few weeks or in the next few months? The next few weeks and the next few months. Let's see. I've got my Deep House Flow class, which is happening in San Francisco. Um, I've got a retreat in Bali happening in March, which I'm really, really, really excited about. We're staying mm. at Michael Ferrante's place. Um, we're going to, you know, do a couple yoga classes, a couple workshops, uh, eat some yummy food, check out some monkey forest temples, like all nice. the whole, I'm, I'm real. Bali is just absolutely beautiful. It's magical. We'll mm-hmm. do some chanting there, of course. Um, <laughs> and then I have a lot of trainings coming up. You know, I've been leading a lot of teacher trainings, um, here in the U S and, and around the world as well. There's a lot going on actually. I've got, so I'm teaching, um, 
uh, teaching at a couple festivals. There's there's a lot. It's all it's all on my website, all on my calendar. And sometimes I forget what I'm doing. I have to go look at it myself. <laughs> so if people want to know a bit more about you or they want to connect, they want to make sure they can go to Bali with you, where's the best place for them to find you? There's a couple ways that you can do it. You can always find me on my website, which is dannypomploon.com. And it's I'll put all the links in the show notes too. And then the other way is, you know, you can always reach out via Instagram. Mm-hmm. Instagram is always an easy one. I'm on there pretty, uh, pretty often and I'm pretty active on it. So you can drop by, say hello, try, you know, whatever it is, send them a video message, whatever. I'm, I'm always, uh, I always love engaging with the people on, in the world of Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No, just thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been such a pleasure. And, and I know uh, I, I can't wait to get you on my show, which I'm, yeah. is just happening soon. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Erica. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We have other great guests coming up, so make sure to subscribe. Now, if you want to make my day, if you want to help someone find this podcast or get a chance to win a $75 shop card from Athleta, all you have to do is head on to iTunes or on your podcast app on your iPhone and write a review. As you leave your review, you automatically enter a giveaway. You don't have to do anything else. And I announce the winner on the next episode. So if you're newer to review, you can check out the show notes for instructions or for more info about our guests of today. And for both of those things, you can also go to my website, ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast. And I write my first name with a K. Last episode, Kelly DiNaro and Amy Pierce Hayden, authors of Living the Sutras, A Guide to Yoga Wisdom Beyond the Map, were giving out three copies of their book. Thank you so much if you left the reviews. The winners of that giveaway are iTunes user Go Vegan Please, Papa DAJ, and AJ in the TL. So just to give you an example, user Go Vegan Please said, I'm fairly early in my yoga journey, and this podcast has been great in furthering my education off the mat. Erica makes her podcast accessible for newbies and seasoned yogis alike. I've listened to the episode on following and trusting your intuition three times this week. It's been paramount in helping me navigate this transitional time in my life. Thank you so much for your comments, guys. And it's that simple. So email me at erica.belanger at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram and I'll send you your books. Once again, thank you for joining us and until next time. <laughs>